Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Awesome. Hey, how's everyone doing? Good? Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm glad you're here. But say it like you mean it. Not because I made you say it. That's like, son, hug your sister. Tell you love her. You know? It's one of those. Awesome. Hey, it's good to be here. Um, the other day, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my, my daughter at our uh, dining room table, sitting there having a conversation. She just breaks into thought. She's like, Dad, I don't struggle with anxiety at all, but there are times I get anxious. I'm like, when do you get anxious? She's like, I get anxious when I think about how big space is. And then I open my computer. I'm like, well, let's, let's check this out. And she's like, okay, I got, I got a video to show you, but it, I, I can't watch it all because it just it messes with me. And so we hit play and we begin to watch some space videos. And then after about 10 minutes, we're both breathing into a bag. <laughs> I'm thinking, Eden, we are so tiny. She's like, I know, Dad, we are so small. Do you know how small planet Earth is compared to the rest of the solar system, the galaxy? And she just started, you know, we, we, worked, we worked with each other, grounding ourselves in, in the reality that God hasn't let go yet. So... Sit, sit tight. But I want you to think about it for a moment, how, how massive, how massive, just for a moment. We'll pass out bags in a moment. But, but how massive the galaxy that our earth hangs in. It's, it's overwhelming. And you, you can't yawn at it. If you yawn at it, you don't know how massive it is. You've not Google searched things. But when you realize, like, for example, the sun, how, how large the sun is in comparison to the earth, you know, 864,000 plus miles in diameter, it's, it's 109 times the size of the earth, right? 1.3 million earths can fit in the sun. Come on, you can't yawn at that. I'm, I'm trying to get some of you just focus on the right thing. Like your bank accounts or your dilemma in your home is small compared to the sun. And you'll see some pictures on the screen. Like you see the sun and then you see like this white star next to it. That's Cyrus A. That's, that's bigger than the sun. That's how scientific I'm going to get. It's just a lot bigger than the sun. And then there's another star right next to the sun in between that and Jupiter, which I did not remember seeing that in school. So that just showed up over just a while ago since I've been out. But then, then you see that, that that's just not, it's just not, it's not Cyrus, A, that's just overwhelming. Then you get into these other stars that make the sun, that's almost a million miles in diameter, it makes the sun look small. The star Betelgeuse is 700 times the diameter of the sun. Stop it. V.Y. Canis Majoris is, makes Betelgeuse look small. It's almost 2,000 times the size 
of the sun. And then you get into like the Orion uh, Nebula and you get into the Omega Centauri and you, you realize, whoa, we are so small. And then you get to my favorite, which over the last couple of weeks I've had as a screensaver on my phone because we can do that now, technology. Put a screen, you can put a picture on your phone and it was of the NGC 1277. Don't worry about it. It's just a super massive black hole that's 250 million miles from Earth, and it can contain 17 billion suns. Ushers, the bags now, please. <laughs> Here we are. Does anyone have a marble on them? Okay, no. That actually worked one time. I needed an egg for a, a prop, and Someone brought the egg all the way to church, and then they got to the trash can outside, and they're like, why do I have an egg with me? And so they threw it away. And so then I asked for an egg in service. I'm like, I'd really like an egg right now for a prop. And the guy's like, oh, my gosh. I should have carried it all the way in here, and I would have given you an egg. Anyhow, okay, imagine a marble. Do you see this marble? This is the earth, and I'm going to put the earth on the front of this podium. It's going to be there all service. Seven billion people. Are you kidding me? Let's go now. I knew it. Is there really a marble? It fell, but we're still good. Oh, please run this up to me. Have we met before? Did I ask you to bring this in ahead of time? Oh, it's a bobber. Yes. This will work. It's not quite a marble. It's a bobber. Thank you. Was this from your, yes, thank you, Hawaii. Here we go. A fishing bobber, a lure. So when it goes under the water, you know, a fish is on, and then you just, you just, just set it. There you go. Okay, here, earth. Ready? So thank you. This is. We used to be into sermon illustrations big time. We once had, remember that, a big mining set that we did? Here, this is the extent of it today. This is where we're at. That is our illustrated sermon. Why are you, why are you talking about this? Well, because I think it was a great conversation my daughter and I had. My wife walked by when we were having this conversation, and we're just going through looking at the constellations, the massive group in the constellations in the Milky Way galaxy, and seeing how far we are away from all these massive stars and constellations and other planets, and to consider, and Pastor Tracy did a beautiful job on this last Sunday. You get to the psalmist in Psalms 8, and he says, when I think about all of that, and I guarantee he did not have the insight like we have today, but he says, when I just look at what I can see with the naked eye, and then I just pause long enough to think, you've considered me? He used the word, you're mindful of me? When I can think about the works of your hand, the moon, the stars that you put, you hung, you, you fashioned them, you ordered them in place. And then I think about my life. You made me a little lower than the angels, and you crowned me with glory and honor. You put all things under my feet, the beasts that fill, the birds that fly, the fish that pass, that pass the sea. The psalmist's like, are you kidding me? You've done all that, and here I am, a, a, a pixel when it comes to all of the known galaxy. We're a pixel, and on this pixel, 7 billion people live approximately right now, and you consider me amongst all these other people. Like, 
how majestic is your name in all the earth. You, you, can't, you can't yawn at that. And my wife's like, but, but why? Why the NGC 1277? Why, why a supermassive black hole? Why these super brilliant star clusters? Why these cities of, uh, of, of constellations? Why? And I thought that is a great question. I think the why is it's God's way of really, really, really expressing in magnitude and bold color how much he really values us. Because we even heard last week, he doesn't go on talking about the stars in, in, in detail, in chapters, in books, in verses. But what he does do in the Bible, we read, he talks about your life and my life. Meaning that if God didn't exist, we are very unimportant in all of the galaxy. But the fact, and we're not significant, but the fact that God does exist, and that is his creation, and he actually formed it better than I can create a, a, a sermon illustration or any person could create a prop. He creates it as a backdrop to your life and my life. See, you, you, you might be here today and you've been a Christian a long time. And if you're not careful, you, you, you could slide into just this, oh, this is how it always is. This is how it works. And ah, we're just kind of getting through a world. Or you also could be here today and you've never heard, you've never known that a God in heaven is radically and madly and just ferociously in love with everything about you. Good, bad, indifferent, broken, all of it together, God loves you so much. And it's this God that comes to our world and speaks life to every person that's here. God has something to say. God still speaks today in the 21st century. God has something to say to your story and to your home and to your life and to your heart today. Not tomorrow, not the next day. He'll take care of that as well. But today, God speaks. He creates all this massive galaxy that when you just look at it, you just it's awe and wonder. And then he zooms like really close and he gets really close. I'm getting really close to our world. And then he begins to speak, not just in general speech, but he calls you by name. And I'm going to give us three vignettes where he calls people by name. And it's proof that this God who created this brilliant galaxy and these host of constellations is a God who's done that because he's using it as a backdrop for the creativity and the love and the value that he's placed on your life and my life. In a world that says otherwise, I'm just here these next few moments to say, God is so radically in love with you that he over, over emphasizes it throughout creation. Last week, remember, we serve not a selfish or withholding God. We serve a what? A generous God. Did anyone think about 25,000 orchids this week? When you were picking out maybe flowers for your significant other? Like, the, the variety and what he does and what he creates to put us in front and center. Of, we say it's, the Bible says that we are the crown of his creation. What? Like meaning like you are royal priesthood. You are this special, called, unique creation that God places you above that. Meaning, this is crazy. I'm, I'm going to get to the, 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 some of the verses here today, but I want you to think about this, that as, as baffled as I am that there is a, a, a supermassive black hole that can swallow 17 billion 
sons. That to me is awe-dropping. God corrects me in saying, no, 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 no. What's more awe-dropping than that? You ready for this? These people sit in this room. Like, there's no, 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 there's no, I can't. Well, you, you can't because you, you don't see the value like God sees the value. So we yawn at it when God's like, what, what? You're yawning at, you're yawning at yourself? You're yawning at what I've created? Are you kidding me? This is, sorry, this is God shaking up the world. You're yawning at what I give you the ability to breathe and to think and to, to hug and embrace and to love and to write and to sculpt. And I've given you these creative abilities. What? No, 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 no. You might think that NGC 1277 is spectacular. I think it's okay. I think what is spectacular is you. And in Genesis, we see in the opening narrative, it says he created male and female in his image and his likeness. And after he gets done with this beautiful uh, act of creation, he looks at it and says, this is, this is good. And that's, it, it, he uses it as an adjective in a way that we don't because he actually understands what the value of that word good means. And he says, this is, this is really good. And this is what he does. And you go into several vignettes that, that help me prove this point today. Uh, when you look at the life of, of young Samuel in Samuel chapter 3, and I'll read uh, just a few verses here. Um, or then maybe I, maybe I won't for the sake of time. I think I'd rather tell it. Uh, but it's, it's in the Bible, so I'm not making it up. It's there. Uh, but what we see is that Samuel is dedicated in chapter 3. He's dedicated to uh, the house of God, the tabernacle. The priest at the time is Eli. And Eli has, was described in the opening first two verses in this chapter uh, as uh, losing his eyesight. So his, his eyesight is diminishing. Uh, it also describes that the word of the Lord was rare in, in those days. Uh, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days because the condition of Israel uh, was in a condition of uh, compromise. Uh, they were in a condition to where their spiritual and moral values were just plummeting. Uh, they were not listening to the word of God. They were not obeying the voice of God. Eli and his own household had sons that were reckless and abusive, and they took advantage of people and the offerings, and uh, they made a mockery of the house of God. And we see that the, the, the voice of God is rare. Samuel has not, yet not to this point experienced the voice of God. But in this beautiful chapter, you see the God who created that Orion Nebula and the God who created all those incredible jaw-dropping uh, stars that hang right now within the, the galaxy moves in from there and says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel stirs. He, he speaks his name. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel stirs. He gets up. He goes to Eli. He says, Eli, uh, did you call? Eli says, I didn't, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. Goes back to sleep. Again, his name's called two times. Samuel, Samuel. He wakes up, runs back to Eli a second time. Eli, did you call? Your servant's here. He says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. I don't know if you got some kids like that. Uh, next thing you know, you have Samuel, Samuel, third time. He comes back to Eli and says, Eli, you called. Eli said, I didn't call. And it was at that moment, Eli, the priest, perceives that this is God getting Samuel's attention. This is God speaking to Samuel. Eli knows that judgment is coming to his household. And he gives instructions to Samuel. He says, Samuel, when God calls your name again, 
say, speak, your servant is listening. So what does he do? He goes back to the place where he was near the ark. He lays down in his location. As he's laying there, it's different than the three times before. The three times before, I guarantee, uh, he was going back to sleep because he thought it was Eli who was losing his sight, uh, which is probably a sign not just of old age, but it was also a sign of spiritual failure, an ability to blindness spiritually because of uh, the sin that was in his house. But can you imagine, he's laying there, no longer asleep, and now he's waiting for God to say his name again. And we see a fourth time it takes place. God speaks to Samuel. He gets really, really close, like God's going to speak to many people in this room today. And he calls Samuel's name. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And what does Samuel, Samuel do? He says, speak for your servant hears. Now, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for praying parents. Because if you know the life of Samuel, you know that his mother, Hannah, she was found outside of this tabernacle that Eli had, uh, had jurisdiction over. And we see that Eli in, in encounters Hannah crying. And it says her lips were moving. Nothing was being said. He, he assumed that she was drunk or something was going on. She pleaded and says, no, 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 that's not the case at all. Uh, I've been perplexed. I've been provoked. I'm barren. I'm praying to God that God would answer my prayer uh, to grant me a son. And we see that that's exactly what happens. She is given this son. Her womb is open. She's no longer barren. And in a response to the grace of God, what does Hannah do? She dedicates her son Samuel, at the time he's weaned back to the household of God, not just for a moment or a stint or a program, but for all of his life. She actually said this, and I always, I kind of, I laugh at this because she says, I'm lending him back to God. Uh, I thought, okay, our life is lent. We're, I, every, we're on a loan here. We're on, it's, 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 it's not ours, but I love what she says. She's like, I'm lending it back to God, not just for a moment, but for his lifetime. And so this praying mom, because she responds to the graces that God had blessed her with, she puts her son in the right place. And as he's young, he's learning to differentiate the voice of man and the voice of God. And we see here in this passage, he thinks at first it's Eli and it's not. It's God actually speaking to him. The God who created all of that is now so close that Samuel hears his name called and he's responding as a result. What made him different than the, the other guys? What made him different than the other people that were in that tabernacle? The difference is this, that when God spoke, when God called, the difference is this, Samuel answered. And I think that's the problem even within today. God, God calls, God speaks the, what separates us are those who actually respond in this obedient faith action to the voice of God. And Samuel did not just once, but he did it with his lifetime. And then we read in Samuel chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet to the Lord. What? What did Samuel do when he says, speak for your servant hears? Well, what he did is he, he, he made a, a statement. He made this declaration with his mouth, but he also made it with the position of his life. He's saying, God, speak, I'm available. I'm, I'm listening. It's in Matthew chapter 16, I believe. 
Jesus asked the question to, to Peter and the disciples, who is it that people say that I am? Right? You remember this? And they're saying, oh, the, the word on the street, public opinion is this, this, and this. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, but who do you say that I am? He says, you thought about it, but it was there. Because he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to Peter says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but that came from your father who is in, in heaven. What was Peter doing? The same thing that Samuel's doing, learning to recognize and learning to hear what the voice of God sounds like. But the only way we can recognize and learn to hear what the voice of God sounds like is if we first make a decision that we are going to make our lives available for God to do just that. He has a message for you. He's going to speak to you, but he's also going to speak through you because there's people in our world that what they need more than fame, what they need more than the next meal, what they need more even than shelter and water is they need to hear and know the voice of God that brings life and hope and brings care into their very mind, heart, and their spirit. we got a lot of people that are disrupted, a lot of people that are out of their mind, a lot of people that are confused, a lot of people that are perplexed and are barren and tormented, uh, a lot of people that are provoked. And what we need more than anything is like Hannah of old, like Samuel of old, we need to hear the comforting and encouraging and clarifying word of God. And it comes by making ourselves available. The next vignette is in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we see in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17 and 21, it says, As for these, these youth, these four youth, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had an understanding of all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them into, before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among them, all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters that were in his kingdom. In verse 21 it says, And Daniel was there until the first year of king, of king Cyrus, which just so happened to be 70 years. So one vignette is a young boy hearing the voice of God, hearing his name called, and then he's giving instruction, he's giving insights, God's going to then use him to uh, help establish kings in Israel. God uses him from the place of the tabernacle, calls him out of that little local church, uh, and uses him as a voice to the people. We then see Daniel. Daniel is taken as captive with his friends under the first siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. He's now no longer in his hometown, his city. He's not at the same ballpark. He's not where he used to grow up. He's not comfortable in this place. He's in a completely foreign land, and he's now being trained for public service in the courts of the king. If there's any time to blend in, if there's any time to lay low, if there's any time just to kind of go with culture, it's if you were Daniel in this Babylonian culture. But what does Daniel do? He does the opposite of that, and he stays true to the convictions uh, that raised him, that grew him, that shaped him. And he found, with, along with his friends, they found them to be ten times greater than everyone else in their not only appearance and in their, uh, their health, but also in their knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And it's God who speaks to Daniel when he's captive. 
And he begins to reveal these secrets to Daniel, these mysteries to Daniel that other people aren't in the know of. And he uses Daniel, check this out, as a witness of his goodness, of his power. He gives him insight into uh, these secret things that would later be revealed to the king in this entire kingdom. And it wasn't just a one-year thing. It wasn't like Daniel was working on this while he's trying to find an escape plan to get out of that, uh, that nation back to Jerusalem. No, he was there for 70 years. Come on. I, I, he is better than me. I guarantee I would be doing what I could, listening, playing the part. But then Chris and I, I know it. we would be working, hatching on a plan, trying to get back to family and home. Not Daniel. Daniel ends up saying, okay, though I'm in captivity, I'm going to uh, position myself in a place where I can hear God. I'm going to be, I'm going to be aware of what God is speaking and saying. My ears are going to be open to the heavens. I understand that the God who created all of this, all of that beautiful galaxy, like Psalms 8 talks about, is the God who comes close and comes near even in my imprisonment. And he speaks to me when no one knows about me. God knows me, and God knows that he has great things in store for this people group, and God's going to use me. I mean, this is Daniel's position in this, and we see that God uses him to interpret dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar had. God uses him in the midst of even doing good. He finds himself in another situation. Not only is he in captivity, now he's in the lion's den, and who just so happens to be present with him? The very God of the heavens is there and shuts the mouth of the lions, and once again, they ask Danny what happened, and he begins to factually tell what he saw and what he heard. That's what a witness is. And, and this is what God's calling us to. It's to be available like Sammy. You want God to do a miraculous thing in your life? Well, it requires that you be available. It requires that you live your life as a witness. That when he does something, you have the opportunity to be a part of that, but you also have the responsibility to begin to tell other people of the wonder, come on, of the majesty, of the power, my goodness, of the grace of God. This is a witness. This is what, this is what Daniel, Daniel was. And then we go into the New Testament. And in this New Testament, I, I love uh, so many different stories that take place here. One in particular that I'm going to read about, but this only happens because it's not just the speaking voice of God that gets our heart. It's, it's God in person, God in flesh. Maybe this is your first time ever hearing this, but God wasn't just okay just speaking to our hearts and our ears. He, he needed to know that we could, uh, we could touch and we could see and we could uh, interact and we could be in relationship with him. So what does he do? He sends his only son, Jesus. And he sends Jesus to take on the flesh and, the, and the, the, the limitation of our corrupted world. He comes into this little planet. And he dwells among us. John writes about it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. The glory is the only father from the, uh, of the son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me. Because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So it's like, think about it. I want you to think about it for a moment. Remember, get the bags out again. Think about the magnitude of space. Think about where we are at 
suspended in the universe, in our solar system, in this massive galaxy. God speaks from there. He creates from there. But yet he gets really, 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 really close to where a young kid who's never heard him speak before recognizes his own name. And it's the, the Eli that perceives this is God. Go back. And when he says your name again, this is how you answer. And so he says, Samuel, Samuel. He says, speak for your servant hears. Like, is that the right, that's the right question? And then God goes on to reveal certain things. He was in the tabernacle. Daniel was in a circumstance that he couldn't control. What's the point? Well, the point is this, that it's not the situation, the circumstances that need change. God can work in the midst of your circumstance. God can call you in a little old church service in Meridian, Idaho, and speak to you. But he can also speak to you in places of your life that you feel captive or you feel imprisoned by. God is able to get through every wall of prison. He's able to get through every obstacle that the enemy would try and lay on you of chains and bondages and weight. And he can speak right to your heart. But what he's looking for is a people who are available and who will witness, who allow their, not just part of their life, but their whole life like Daniel, to be a book that can be read so that people can discover the miraculous truth and the grace that is in Jesus. So Jesus makes himself known and he walks among us and he's on his way and he gets called by some friends by the name of Martha and Mary and Martha invites Jesus into the home and Jesus sits down with the other disciples and those that were with him and Martha does what she does best she goes into the hospitality gift that was her gift and so she begins to prepare everything she can think of so that she can serve the guest that's in her home but in the process of serving in the process probably of stress in the process of her worry, she begins to freak out. She begins to be concerned about all these things that she has to get done and has to accomplish. And then she has the audacity to look over at Mary, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus while Jesus is speaking. And she's thinking, how in the world could you be sitting there when we have all of these things to do? So she interrupts Jesus in Luke chapter 10. She interrupts Jesus. And she says, now, uh, I'll, I'll read it. As, as we are on the way, Jesus entered village, and a woman named Martha became welcome into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think what's significant about this, this chapter is a few things. I think the fact that I love the fact that Jesus says, Martha, Martha. God says, Samuel, Samuel. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Jesus says, Mary. Why is that significant? He's saying their name. Which means what? Yeah, he knows their name. He knows what's in Martha's heart. He knows the real struggle. It's not that she ran out of certain items and it's going to just mess up the whole aesthetic, the whole place setting. No. He knows that the real problem is that she's distracted with many things. It's just not about getting a good meal for the guests that are here. He appreciates that. But no, it's way more than that. She's worried. She's anxious. She's not being available. The invite was nice, but she's not being available. She, she's not really witnessing what's really taking place. 
we see that Jesus is in this, this living room and he's not gonna be there long. And what does Mary do? Mary does the one thing that he says is the right thing that will not be taken away from her. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and what's Mary doing? Mary is being alert to the things of God. The God man, Jesus is speaking, why? Because he has something to say and his words have more power than any, any news program. His words have more power than any article or any book or any opinion that you're gonna read. His words have the very power to shape your past, to be with you and define your present and give you this beautiful, beautiful picture of what the future looks like. His words are so powerful that it just doesn't change you. His words through you, he allows you to be a part of this change to other people. He allows you and your words, when you are available and you're a witness and you're alert to the things of God, you don't go out your house the same way. Why? Because you're captivated by your neighbors to the right and left of you. And you just can't help but tell them and showcase to them the wonder of who God is and your brokenness and your sinfulness, how God came in form to take on limitations, come on, of, of, of this and, and take our sin and our sickness and all that. And he makes this beautiful exchange and he says, this life is for you. Those constellations, whoo, those stars, those planets that, in, that NGC 1277, Supermassive black hole got nothing on you and what I've called you to do. But it requires that we be a church, we be a people that are not just filled with professional Christians, that we just do our part and do our thing and just get enough. But it requires us that we, not for a moment, but for a lifetime and say, as for me in my life, God, speak. Your servant is listening. What, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? See, we, we want God to do amazing things in our life. We, we want the, the benefits of the relationship. We're just, we're not so sure on the commitment that's required. We want all that, but I'm telling you what, you want that. We wanna walk in that in 2020. I believe God is doing something phenomenal. Things are happening all around. God's already speaking. Guess what? He already spoke to me today. Guess what? He already spoke to you today. Like why well, I didn't hear his audible voice. Well, I can't say for sure I heard his audible voice either today. But I open my Bible and I begin to read. And I, I reminded myself that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I remind myself what John talks about, that this is actually more than literature and poems and law and prophets. It's actually, it's living. There, there's power in this. It's active. It, it can take every anxious thought and just level it. It can take every, 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 every dark, destructive sin pattern that you might have. You put it under the microscope of, of scripture and what it does, it reveals things to you. You're like, whoa, I'm hanging on to that no longer. You put this next to your life in comparison, you say, God, I, I, want, I want more of that. So God does speak to you. God does speak to you. And we're going to go into go into song in a minute, but I don't know. I, I just felt like there's several categories, and this is kind of be uh, maybe just a, a cluster of categories here, just like these stars, but I feel like there's, there's those that you've been a, a Christian for a long time, and you're like Eli. I'm not saying you're going to have the same judgment, God forbid, but I'm saying, I wonder what Eli was thinking that night. I guarantee he didn't sleep either. Not after that, not after that third encounter. He's probably thinking, oh, I remember when God used to speak to me. I remember when I used to be available. Man, I wonder what he's saying to Samuel. I feel like there, there's some like that today. You're like, man, I used to, I used to be there, but I don't know, from circumstances, situation, I just 
if I'm honest, I just kind of allowed my ears just kind of be be blocked, and I've allowed my heart to kind of get callous and hardened a little bit. Can I tell you, friend, that today it's, it's, it's not a loss, that God's grace is sufficient for you. And if, if that's you, I'm believing today, even as we spend time, just I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go in this worship song, that if you're honest and you just, you admit that to the Lord, I guarantee he begins to, whatever's blocking your ear, your hearing, he begins to take that out. So whatever's filled those eardrums spiritually, he begins to, to remove. And I'm believing this is going to be a year that you're going to hear God's voice clearer than ever. A heart that's going to receive. Others are like, you know, I've just been too busy, just haven't made myself available. There's so many other things. And I've more kind of taken on the professional side of Christianity that it's just something you do on a Sunday or every once in a while. I haven't really made it a lifetime thing, a daily thing. I'm making a commitment that I'm going back to that. It's not too late for you. God is, is turning hearts and minds and priorities. And I guess that's my, my prayer is that God, come on, make us a people that we're available to you. Just go ahead and bow your heads for a moment. Well, make us a people that are available to you. For those that, that we've, we've just kind of pushed you away, we've, we've stopped listening. We've stopped really wanting to lean in to hear what you have to say for one reason or the other. God, forgive us. Lord, I ask that you would just open our ears afresh and anew like Samuel of old, that we would be able to hear what you're saying and speaking to, to your church and to, to us individually, that it would have impact, influence on family and uh, the nation and even the nations of the world. God, use us today uh, to be available, like even like Daniel of old, to be a witness. God, let us, let us see, let us, let us be firsthand witnesses of the continual grace and mercy uh, and the power that's in your name and who you are. And let us be responsible then to uh, shout it from the rooftops and tell it to people and, and talk about it with people. Like, it's just not something we can yawn at. It's, it's so good. We have to tell people about it. And Lord, like Mary, we want to be alert to the goodness of God. We want to be alert to your words of life and help and hope. So God, I'm asking today as just a corporate thing, that there'd be a corporate turning today. Lord, you come from all the way out there and you draw really, really, really close to each and every one of us and you say our name first and last. You know us inside and out. And I'm asking that you would just work wonders today in Jesus' name. I, I wonder if, if you're here, back, keep your heads closed, your eyes closed. I wonder if you're here today and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I, I want to know. I want to know the certainty. I want to know, man, that type of love that he would go all that way just, just for a person like me. Friend, I tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through, what the struggle's been. Christ and his grace is enough. Jesus is everything that you need forever and always, and he's the only one who brings significance to your life. If that's you, do you want to make a commitment to live your life for Jesus? Can you go ahead and just raise your hand so I can see it? I'm the one, I'm the one looking. Hands in the back. Keep your hand up because this is the greatest part. This is the greatest part. Keep your hand up, because in the back of my head, I've been looking at planets. In the back of my mind, I see this backdrop of all these beautiful planets, but then I consider that Jesus esteems you greater than those planets. So every hand that's lifted, I see one.